You're listening to. You're listening to. You're listening to. You're listening to. The Life Tree Community Church Podcast. All right, so this is our last message in uh, our series called The Forest. And we've been taking time to sort of renew our vision for the church and why we do what we do and uh, all that, the difference that it makes, you know, just have been kind of exploring all of that. And if you haven't been here or have missed maybe a few of the messages, you haven't been here, all of them is going to give you like a quick overview of all of it to catch you up. Um, And so we began by looking at a vision uh, God gave to a man named Ezekiel, if you remember this, like all the way back in the beginning, that gave a vision to a guy named Ezekiel about the temple and that the temple was where God lives and dwells and that in the temple, right, that there's this little river that kind of, kind of just like a stream that comes out from the door, and as it goes, it gets deeper and deeper and deeper. Um, and that as the Spirit of God lives there, this river goes deeper, and it flows out, and it begins, it says he looks up, and he notices that as the river goes out, there are trees, many trees. He was I'm surprised to see many trees on both sides of the river, that wherever the river goes, that, that life is springing up. And we said that that's what this, it's a metaphor for what our, our vision is. It's not just to have a life tree, but a forest of life trees, and that happens when we welcome God into our midst and become the church, which is the temple of God. It's no longer just a senior sense. It's not a structure, but it's us that as we gather, God shows up, and that as God shows up, he can't help but be overflowing, and he gets deeper and deeper as he goes out, and it begins to bring life to wherever it goes, all the way to, if you remember, to the Dead Sea. That God goes all the way even to those places that are dead and he brings new life there. It says there was all sorts of uh, flourishing life there. And that's what we're here to do, to invite God here so that his spirit can go out to our families and to our neighbors and to our coworkers and to our communities. And that people who aren't even looking for God will be impacted because the spirit of God flows out of this place. And then we renewed our vision for the church Right, that this is what we do and who we exist for, that we exist to teach, right? To learn how do we integrate faith in an ever-changing world and as ever-changing people. How do we, how do we learn what we're supposed to learn and then um, be part of a family, like a community, right? We devote ourselves to being, doing life together, right? That's what a church is. It's not just, hey, you come in and, but like this is family. That's why we celebrate and, you know, what's going on. We, and when people are going through tough times we're, we're there to pray and to help and support this is, this is what we do we're, we're a community we need people to walk through this life with and that's why we do church and we share communion regularly if you remember the reason we do communion is to remind ourselves that we all are sinners right? I don't care how how much money you have how powerful how smart how much ability you have doesn't matter what your titles are nothing matters we're all sinners it's the great equalizer and we come in here to gain some humility but also appreciation for everybody else around us, that there's nobody that doesn't need God, and there's nobody that God doesn't love and didn't die for. We all have worth, okay, and it's this great equalizer. And then finally, we exist to pray. That's what the church exists for, right? To, uh, we invite God to do the impossible, to change things that we couldn't do. There is so much that we can't accomplish but want to see accomplished. There are unchangeable people in unchangeable circumstances, but we gather to pray to see God bring about good and to do things that formerly were not possible. He makes the not possible possible. So that's what a church is, and that's why we tithe, right? We tithe to make sure that the church exists and can do all of that. That's what we do. We give, and the tithe isn't optional. It's something God says, hey, you do it, right? It's something that we we commit to, to ensure that the church continues to be a place that provides uh, God's presence here in our community. 
And that led into the next week where we talked about our vision for the community, that the measure of any organization, right, like our church, is who flourishes when we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. Is it just us or is it everyone around us, right? Are, are we benefiting those around us? Trees don't exist for their own benefit. Right? Are we bringing life to the community around us? Uh, part of our mission is to meet the needs of those around us, that there would be no needs in our area. That's what we hope for. Um, and so part of God's purpose is for us to be generous with those who have needs. And we talked about how God displays a special concern for those who have need. You, you look throughout Scripture and over and over and over again, God seems to be biased towards those who are powerless and have needs. And that it's on us as a church to care for them. That's why we give offerings, right? That's why we give to the forest. Tithes help support the church. And the forest is for the rest. Right? I, I, I'm going to work that one to death because I love it. It's so good. It's to help ensure that there are no needs around us. We don't have to give, but we get to give. And we get to make a difference in our community. And then we explored our vision for the, the next generation. Remember this. We talked about the next generation. That 100 years from now, right? all new people. 100 years from now, all new people. And that we choose what we will pass on to those that follow us. We need to hand down hope. Anybody got your bracelets on? Anybody got them on? If you still got them, we got bracelets. If you didn't get them, I don't know if we have extras. I don't know if we, they're, they're on the back table. All right, so if you didn't get them, we got these little bracelets that say hand down hope. And they're just simple reminders that this is what we're here to do. Like a relay race, right? You have to pass the baton to somebody else. You don't run. A, well, there, there's a next generation coming in. It's not our job to do all of it, but to set them up to run as well as we can, and then to hand it off. There's no success without successor. Right? We have the opportunity not just to invest in the church for us here now, but for those that will come. Right? We're going to plant trees under the shade of which we will never sit. Whoever wants the next generation, we said, whoever wants the next generation most will have them. So then we talked last week about our vision for the world, that we're part of this uh, under the calling of the Great Commission. We've, we've all been given this Great Commission, which is really simple. It's just go reach everybody everywhere, right? And it's, we talked about it, right? Eight billion people, 7,000 languages, right? And it's just not, it's impossible for any one of us to do, for any individual. But corporately, that's a corporate. The Great Commission was always meant to be a corporate endeavor, meant to be something that we collaboratively do, that we each have to do our part. And that means we either go to the rest of the world or we send. That's it. There's no other option. And so we have to be part of that and that we won't lose when we give. It's not like if I give, then there's less for me. That's a scarcity mindset, right? But that we serve a God who has abundant, infinite resources, right? That we don't lose, that the church whose light shines farthest will shine brightest at home. Right? So as we look back, as we've renewed our vision for why we're doing this and understanding who it's for, it's obvious, right, if you, if you haven't picked it up by now, that giving has been a significant application each and every week. This has sort of been a series where we're talking about giving and the impact of, of our giving. Um, the tithe is for the church and the forest is for all the rest. And all those are important reasons to give. And hopefully you've not only heard the vision, you can go, oh, okay, I get it, but you're embracing it for yourself. Hopefully you've gotten a vision for this church. And you've gotten a vision for the community. And you've gotten a vision for the next generation. And hopefully you've gotten a, a vision for the world. Like you're not unconcerned about any of those groups because God's not unconcerned about any of those groups. This is our vision. We are in this together. And there's one more thought I'd like to share with you before we wrap this 
Forest series up. And you may not be expecting what I'm going to share tonight. And I honestly wrestled with whether to even address it or not. It's a little uncomfortable for me, but it's, the problem is that it's literally all over the Bible. <laughs> um, and uh, God has said it again and again and again, and I just can't not say it. Um, so when I say it, some of you might get uncomfortable, okay? So I'm just warning you now. I'm going to ask you to hear me out. Actually, no, hear God out, right? Uh, because he said it, not me, okay? So you take it up with him. Um, and I think the reason I even have to couch this or frame this or preface it is because it's too often been abused. Okay, so just understand as we're going into it, it's been misrepresented and literally twisted uh, to mean something God never intended. Okay, that's often what happens. And what unintentionally happens then, um, the unintended consequence of that, or maybe the intended consequence, when people twist stuff, is that we tend to just then disregard and avoid it altogether, but we lose the good thing that God wanted us to gain from that, right, because people abuse it. So I'm going to do my best to give it to you straight, and I'll let you respond to uh, what God has said to us. You ready? Yeah, you guys, got, you guys all curious now? All right, here we go. There you go. Um, now that we've identified all those noble and important reasons to give, here's the last one. Here, here it goes. Ready? You should give to get. <laughs> mm-hmm. God clearly says that when you give, you can expect a reward. That there are blessings that will come to you when you give. How many already are going, prosperity gospel, right? You, you hear it, you're, you know, prosperity theology, all those things. Here's the thing. So many of us were taught to equate expecting a reward with greed. Yes? Like that if I expect a reward, a reward then I have compromised motives that we're supposed to give purely for the love that we have for others. That's it. I should give because it's good. Expect nothing in return, right? And we certainly need that. God has clearly said he wants us to be cheerful givers, that any hint of selfishness or self-indulgence, right, for giving for, giving for what we can get out of it, it feels selfish and it usually feels wrong. It feels wrong to say we give, right, to get. So we, avo- we avoid that idea. But I got to tell you, it's kind of like all over the Bible, <laughs> Um, God constantly talks about the rewards of giving, like over and over again. Listen to these verses. Luke chapter 6, verse 35 says, Love your enemies. Do good to them. Right? Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great. Sounds like God is trying to encourage with reward. Right? And you will truly be acting as children of the Most High, for he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. Skip down to verse 38. Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Okay. Um, the verse, go to, go to Proverbs chapter 11. The godly can look forward to a reward, while the wicked can expect only judgment. Matthew chapter 6, when you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth, they have received all the reward they will ever get. Let's just pause there for a minute. Like, like if you want credit, that's all the reward you're going to get. You'll get credit, and that's it. You will get credit, and that's all you get. Just think about that. Verse 3, but when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. 
Give your gifts in private. And your Father who sees everything, He's going to reward you. Okay, Ephesians chapter 6. Work with enthusiasm as though you are working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will reward each one of us for the good we do. Are you picking up a theme? Like I could, we could do this for like a long time. I could sit here and go many more verses that talk about this. I seriously have so many pages of notes that I didn't include tonight. Why would God tell us so often that we will be rewarded for generosity and faithful giving if we're supposed to ignore that part? Why would he do that? Because I, I, I guess we're just not supposed to ignore it. Actually, not only are rewards something we're supposed to pay attention to, they're actually one of the most important reasons we're supposed to give. We're supposed to give to get. It sounds weird. Yes, sounds a little off. You're like, uh, I mean, I kind of see it, but I'm not sure. Just hang with me. It's important to clarify what God means as a reward, obviously. I think we have to start there to understand how does that make sense when it feels dissonant, when it feels like something, I'm not sure. What do we do with that? Let's start with defining the word reward. Our rewards are typically what? Money, power, prestige, praise, privilege, right? So what are your rewards? How many of you are cash back people? You got cash back. How many get points? Right, some of you get points, some of you get miles, anybody get miles, right? Some of you do miles, right? Some of you do other things, right? There's, there's all sorts of rewards, but usually they're, they're monetary, right? The rewards of God are not in kind to what we give. That's one of the first things we need to understand about the rewards of God. They're not always in kind. That means God does not simply give us back more of what we give. Just because you give X doesn't mean God gives you X back, right? It isn't always in kind. It means when I give money, it doesn't guarantee God's going to give me back more money. That's not the reward of God. That's not what he's talking about. That's not what he's promising. And some might hear that then and automatically jump to the conclusion that, oh, God doesn't really reward. This is just some kind of carrot he throws out there to promise us, but he never has to deliver on it. And so it's really just manipulation, a trick to get people to give their money because God doesn't actually ever intend to make good on any of this. This is just, you can hear it, right? It's like George Bailey asking Clarence in It's a Wonderful Life. You ever, have you ever seen that movie, right, that says, hey, you got any money? And Clarence says, oh, oh, oh no, we don't need money where I come from. And George Bailey says, well, it comes in pretty handy down here, bub. <laughs> right? Like, yeah, God doesn't give us back money. Well, it would be pretty helpful if he would. Right? That's, that's what, you got that perspective? Anybody? Like, you, you understand. Like, it's totally understandable that we value rewards like money because it's useful. Money's not bad. It's useful. It's understandable. But the rewards of God, in truth, are far more valuable than anything we could gain in this life. Psalm 112 tells us some of God's rewards. And so let's take a look here. Psalm 112, it says this, light shines in the darkness for the godly. They are generous, compassionate, and righteous. Good comes to those who lend money generously and conduct their business fairly. Such people will not be overcome by evil. Doesn't mean you won't encounter evil. Doesn't mean it will it will keep you from evil. It simply says you will not be overcome by it. Those who are righteous will be long remembered. They do not fear bad news. It doesn't say you won't get bad news. It doesn't say bad news won't find its way to your front door. 
It just says, you won't fear bad news. They confidently trust the Lord to care for them. They are confident and fearless and can face their foes triumphantly. They share freely and give generously to those in need. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. They will have influence and honor. So let's just kind of break that down. What are the rewards? Some of the rewards. These aren't all of them. This is just some. One reward of God is light in the darkness. When you walk in in the dark and you don't know where you're going, God says, I will light up your path. Can money buy you that? There are plenty of people that have lots of money and have no idea where they're going. One reward is that good finds us. Good, listen, good finds you. It doesn't say you have to go looking for good. But that good will find you. Oh boy. How many of you want that? Sign up for a good of the month club. You're just going to come to me in the mail. I just get a good. Oh, I can't. I love good day. Right? It comes every. Right? That good will come to you. Another reward is that evil's not going to overcome you. It's not going to overcome you. Doesn't mean you're not going to encounter it every single day of your, the rest of your life. You're going to live it, but evil will not win. Another, another reward of God is that bad news isn't going to stop you. It may, it may punch you in the face. It may take the wind out of your sails. It may, it may absolutely stun and devastate you, but you know what? Bad news won't stop you. Enemies won't intimidate you. And there are people that oppose People that, try to, people that try to do you harm, they will not intimidate you. You won't even be scared of them. Yes, be, they, they, they sit there and go, ah, and you're going, hmm, is that all you got, right? Wealth won't be a trap for you. It says here that you will be remembered. Your impact will be generational. People have lots of money, and the next generation, they want to forget. The rewards of God, just a few. These are just a few. There are so many. We could, we could seriously probably spend weeks on just the rewards of God. But the rewards of God are far superior to just money. But there's one reward that stands out above them all. It really is the reward of all rewards. And Jesus revealed that at the end of days, when it comes time to judge the world, when we're done, when all our living is done. When you've made all the decisions you're going to make, when you have no more life to live, one day we're going to stand before God. He says, and all the people in the world are going to be separated into two groups. He's going to say, one group on my left and one group on my right. And he says, and those who are at my right hand, he says, guess what? You all, you inherit the kingdom of God. Everything that is mine, I'm giving to you. You get it all. And everybody on this side, you get nothing. <laughs> it's pretty dramatic. Pretty dramatic. And it's a pretty big reward. A kingdom, the kingdom of God. And oh yeah, by the way, he says, oh yeah, and that includes like eternal life. <laughs> I'm going to throw that in there too. You get the kingdom of God forever. And he says the differentiating factor will be this. Says, I'll read it for you. Matthew chapter 25 says, The king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. I've been meaning to give this to you since the beginning. 
says, for I was hungry, and you fed me. And I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. And I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. And I was naked, and you gave me clothing. And I was sick, and you cared for me. And I was in prison, and you visited me. And then those righteous, because they're on the right side, the righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or feed you? or thirsty and give you something to drink, or a stranger and show you hospitality, or naked and give you clothing. When did we ever see you sick and in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. See, when we give to those in need, we inherit the eternal kingdom of God. You want, a, you want good rewards program? Let me tell you, you want a good rewards program, that's a pretty good one. I don't know if you can find a better one. American Express, Visa, MasterCard, you know, Discover, do whatever you want to do. You can, you can have all the clubs that you want. But when you give, he said, that's your reward for living generously, for living open-handed, for living in a way that gives to others let me tell you, God does not want us to dismiss this. He doesn't want us to avoid <laughs> the reward part of this. He very clearly wants us to know. We must give to get. And here's the reason giving to get is so welcomed by God. It's because it's an act of faith. We give to get then. We give now to get then. So giving to get is an act of faith. When we give with the expectation of getting, we're saying, God, I trust you. I trust your promised reward. I give in faith that you will reward me. Perhaps not here now, but that this, you're going you're gonna to do what you said you were going to do. I give because I want God to use what I offer to build his church, yes, and to bless this community and to invest in the next generation and participate in the Great Commission. I'm in for all of that. But I'm also aware that there's a reward for my giving. There's a reward for our giving. The words of missionary Jim Elliott echo throughout time, one of the most profound quotes in human history, and he said this, He is no, there we go, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Think about that for a moment. Jim Elliott, if you don't know his story, he gave his life. Ecuador. Trying to reach people to, to fulfill the Great Commission. He felt God sent him to go, and he went. He lived this out. Was he a fool? He lost his life, but you know what? The, the moment he opened his eyes in eternity, God said, hey, I got a kingdom I want you to inherit. Well done, good and faithful servant. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Giving to get is 100% an act of faith, and God gladly, joyfully rewards our trust. So each week, as we've identified the people that are impacted by our giving, you know, we've asked this question, right? What if we didn't? What if we didn't? Like, what if we didn't give to, what if we didn't tithe? Well, if you didn't tithe, this church would struggle to survive. 
And if you didn't give to offerings, then our community would have needs that we can't meet. People would ask us for help and we can't do anything. And, and then the next generation, we probably wouldn't be investing much in them or leaving them anything. And, and missionaries, we definitely wouldn't be able to send them. What if we didn't? What would be the cost? And this week, I want to change it up a bit. There were a group of people in history on a journey of faith. And to encourage each other, they sang a song. And that song asks a very powerful question. I think that question is relevant for us tonight. Listen to this. Psalm 124 says, What if the Lord had not been on our side? Let all Israel repeat, What if the Lord had not been on our side when people attacked us? So instead of asking, What if we don't? What if God didn't? What if God didn't? Can we pause and consider that for a moment? What if God wasn't on your side? Where would you be? What if you had to do everything for yourself? What if God didn't give you help? What if you never had help? What if you never had wisdom for a decision? What if you never had blessings? What if you never had grace? You never had anything good. Not only that, what if, what if God not only wasn't on your side, what if God was against you? Where would you be? Imagine that on your darkest day, there was no light. Imagine that in your hardest moments, there was no hope. That when you faced life-altering decisions, you had no idea what to do and no hope was coming. That when you were lonely, there was no one with you. That when you called out, there was no answer. That when you messed up, you know you'd have to carry that for the rest of your life because there was no forgiveness. What if the Lord had not been on our side? Don't worry, it's going to end well because the song's not over yet. But the people sang the inevitable reality of that and they continued. Verse 3 says this, well, here's what would have happened. Our enemies would have swallowed us alive in their burning anger. Verse 4, and the waters would have engulfed us a torrent would have overwhelmed us. We would have drowned. Yes, the raging waters of their fury would have overwhelmed our very lives. So let's end with some good news, yes? Let's end with some good news. We will never need to know the answer to that question. That's the good news. We will never need to answer the question, what if the Lord had not been on our side? Because he's on your side. He is constantly doing good for you. And he says, hey, you give. Because I want to reward you. He doesn't want to empty you of things. He says, give me what you got because I got even more and better to give you. Let go of what you have. You've got so much stuff in your hands that you don't have room to receive what I want to give you. But if you will give it to me, listen, I got even better. Constantly upgrading. Constantly, I've got better for you. So here's how they answer Here's how they end that song. Verse 6 says this. Praise the Lord who did not let their teeth tear us apart. We escaped like a bird from a hunter's trap. The trap is broken and we are free. Here it ends. Our help is from the Lord who made heaven and earth. God is for you. He is on your side. And if God is for you, who can be against you? We are free. Free to give. Free to love. Free to help. 
free to care for others, free to be generous. You know why we're free to be generous? Because God says, I got you. I got you. You give, I will reward you. Be generous. We have a God who doesn't just give us back what we give to others, but he presses it down, shakes it. Do you ever have this thing you try and shake it? You know, you, you, want, you want to fit more in, so if you shake it, it settles, and it goes, he, he shakes, and if, you know, I, I don't know how good you shake. I'm sure God's pretty good at shaking. Like he probably shakes it really good. Like, just really, like it all goes down, right? Makes room for more. When he gives, it says your cup runs over. Some of you have really big thermoses. Yeah, God says it doesn't matter how big it is. It's going to run over. So much so it's going to pour out into your lap. You're going to be drowning in my goodness. You don't have pockets or hands big enough for all that God wants to give to you. My hope is that we have a collective vision as a church to be known as generous people. That this church has a reputation for being generous because we've got such a generous God. We don't give because, hey, we're trying to show off because how can we not? I got too much. I got to give it away. He keeps giving me stuff. I got to keep giving it away because I can't contain it all. Last week, I encouraged you to prayerfully consider what you'd be willing to commit monthly to the forest. To give, and again, this is not tithing. I know I've said it before. I will stop talking about this after this week. It's not tithing. Tithing is what keeps our church growing and healthy and sustaining. And Continue to tithe, please. If you're not tithing, start there. That's the next thing you need to do. You need to do that. But the offering is above and beyond that, is for the rest. It's what you give on top of the tithe. I know it sounds like radical giving, yes, but I'm telling you, it kind of sounds like God's got radical generosity he's willing to give back to you. So I invite you to take out your programs right now. Everybody should have got it. When you walked in, you got a program. If you didn't get a program, raise your hand. Our ushers will make sure that you get one. But if everybody can take that out right now. So I've got something. If you don't have one, again, raise your hand. Our ushers will make sure that you find one. Um, everybody, anybody need one up, up front here? Okay. In there should be a card um, that says the forest pledge card. It's, like in, it's about a postcard size. All right. There you go. Thank you, Danielle. Looks just like this. It says my forest pledge. Okay. And what we're going to do is I'm going to challenge you. Don't write anything yet, okay? But we're going to challenge you in a moment. I'm going to give you an opportunity. I've asked you to be praying about this this week. If you haven't been doing that, no worries. God can speak to you right now. Um, The question is not how much can I afford, but what can God give through me? That's it. What can God... And and here's the thing. I'm going to ask you monthly to make a commitment to... An offering, not to a tithe, to an offering. I'm going to ask you to make a pledge. And this is a faith promise, which means that I trust you, God. I don't, I don't have it. But God, I'm going to ask that monthly you will provide it. I don't currently have this. It's not like, what can I afford to carve it? No. God, above and beyond what I have, I'm going to trust you to provide this amount for me so that, and if you do, I will give it for the rest because I want to be... Someone who gives generously. The amount you give determines the amount you get back. I didn't say it. God says it. I'm just telling you. So here's the question, right? The number that's in your head right now, I just want you to just, just think of this one, I mean, answer this one question for yourself. Does it sound generous? 
That's the only question I want you to ask yourself. Only you know. It's you between you and God. You're, there's no names on this. So nobody knows. Nobody will know who wrote what. This is not about anybody going, oh, who, look at this. Yeah, nope, nope, nope. Between you and God. What we're going to do is we're going to add up all the numbers. And we're going to make a commitment to our missionaries, to our local uh, organizations that we support. Based off of the total that comes in, we're going to say, okay, this is what's coming in for the forest, so this is how much we can commit to those, because those organizations, we support them monthly. We support about 50 organizations monthly, 45 to 50, somewhere in there, all different stuff, Teen Challenge and food pantries and, and missionaries all over the world doing all sorts of stuff, um, Ability Tree. We give to all sorts of these organizations, right, to help them do what they're doing. So that's what this is going to go to, right? We're not going to keep any of this. This all goes away, right? This is to give away. Up until this point, we said we've given away almost $1 million in 12 years of Lifetree. It's an amazing, amazing thing. So that's what we're going to do. This is not meant to be a burden. It's not about being reckless. It's not saying, okay, God, I want to give you a million dollars. Unless God really, you really believe in it. Listen, you want to put it on there? Go ahead. If that's what God gives you and you feel like you can do it, that's fine. But this is literally about being faithful and I mean that by being faithful. God, what, do you, what, what could you do through me? What will you trust God to give through you? I'm going to invite the band to come on up, and we're just going to play quietly in the background. I want to give you just a, a minute or two to pray, just to, just to let God speak and just listen. Okay, so they're going to play. You take a moment. So if you'll just, right where you are in your seat, you get along with God. And you say, okay, God, what are you putting on my heart? If you need to, if you're a you know, family's here and you want to talk to somebody, talk it out, feel free. Take a minute to do that. But I would encourage you, just let God speak to you. And then in a moment, we're going to pray and we're going to close with a song and we'll be done. But I just want you to take a minute and do that and let God speak.